for listening to the Red Letter Business Podcast presented by Christian Businessmen's Connection, Oklahoma. Each episode, we're talking with ordinary businessmen who have impacted the lives of others as they live out their faith at work. That's the mission of CBMC, helping men know God, discover His purpose in their work, and make a significant impact in the lives of others. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, so welcome back to the Red Letter Business Podcast. My name is Tyler DeBose, and with me, as always, is uh, my co-host, Adrian Saavedra. And Adrian, today, special day, we're in Florida. Just <laughs> kidding, but our guest is in Florida. Yeah, uh, we came across um, our guest today, Dr. Brian Russell, uh, through um, the matching of, of mutual interest. And anyways, we, we've had an opportunity to to get to visit with him. And we said, man, this would be a, a really great, great podcast episode and, and a topic that's not often talked about enough in the business world. And so what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to introduce uh, Dr. Brian Russell here in just a second. We're going to talk about the practice of prayer and meditation today, which doesn't necessarily seem like a, um, a business topic, but we're going to talk about the practice of centering prayer and how that can actually affect not just our spiritual walk, but our whole life, the way we lead our families, the way we deal with our kids and our relationships and the way we run our business. So we have with us today, Dr. Brian Russell, who is the professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. He also runs Dr. Brian Russell Coaching, where he helps uh, business executives. um, and And he also coaches uh, not only business executives, but also pastors. And so he has a real heart for kingdom-minded work. So we've asked Brian, um, Dr. Brian Russell to come and sit with us today and, and, and talk about his new book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. Because um, it, as I said, there's not too many books about sitting quietly in the world today. <laughs> and so uh, Dr. Russell, thank you for joining us all the way from Orlando, Florida. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and it's so great to be with uh, both of you, Tyler and Adrian, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, great. Well, we're going to get into your 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 book here in, in just a minute, but um, you know, for our listeners out there, uh, they may or may not be familiar with you um, because you're all, all the way in Orlando, but just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe a, a little bit about your, your personal journey, what you do. Um, and how you came about, you know, to, to be passionate about coaching business executives. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been a, a lifelong uh, follower of Jesus, grew up in the church. So, I mean, at least I've been going since I've been five years old. So I'm 52 now. So it's almost been a half a century. Um, I had a really dynamic conversion experience as a teenager that really solidified my faith. And then I pretty quickly felt a call to ministry. So I said yes to the Lord, like when I was 18, started preaching. Uh, college, seminary, and uh, did well in seminary. So I ended up, uh, my faculty encouraged me to go ahead and get the PhD. And I became a full professor of Bible or a professor of Bible by the time I was, um, I was hired when I was 30 years old. So I've been doing uh, the professor stuff for a long time. And 
was really passionate about discipleship, which I know we're going to get into later, and applying the scriptures and church planning. So that was kind of my introduction to sort of entrepreneurship in a little, in a way, because we were talking about planning churches and just getting started. And you learn a little bit about, like, it's not the same as marketing a business, but you got to go out and impact people, build teams and all those things. So that was running through my veins the whole time, because obviously I'm an academic, but I have always had a heart for expanding the kingdom and, and having real skin in the game. And so I've you know, I planted a church in the past, and I've been the pastor of uh, three different churches over the course of my uh, ministry. Now, to get right to the heart of, of, of your deeper question, <clears throat> um, I had a r- really painful period in my life. It's been a, 11 years ago now, but I had been married for 20 years. And then my former spouse just didn't want to be married anymore and uh, essentially you know, left the marriage. I got divorced, ended up having to raise my two daughters pretty much on my own. And that sent me through a, a crisis. I mean, a crisis of faith. So I'm thinking like, geez, I gave everything. I've been trying to serve the Lord. And here I am with this really painful part of my life. And you know, that hurt my, it was hurt my faith. It was you know, just a super dark period, but I had this insight immediately. And I had a couple of really powerful encounters with God, which again, I'm like, I don't, we won't have time to really get into that. But one of the things insights that I had is I like, I knew this was going to be hard, but my prayer to God, even in those darkest times was Lord, I don't understand this. <clears throat> But I want to be a better man because of this, not a bitter man because of this. And so I essentially opened myself up to grace and by with friends, I've blessed with really good friends. I mean, I had the resources of the church. I mean, I had the seminary community and, and you know, people really loved on me. But what the game changer for me was, because I kind of had this weird experience where my traditional practices that I've always done, reading the scriptures and stuff, those were helpful, but it it wasn't getting into my heart, um, which is where all the pain was. And so what I learned were these deep resources that Christians have had for literally millennia from all the way back to the beginning that I didn't personally know about. And that included um, the centering prayer, which we're going to talk about, and also journaling. And so through the process of my own healing and knowing that I needed to grow, um, I gained a lot of tools. I read a lot of different kinds of books. And so I sort of, looking back, I kind of started coaching myself and opening myself up to other coaches. And then, you know, a few years after the fact, I found that found myself a better teacher than I'd ever been in people coming to me for help because they knew they'd watched me and saw that not, you know, not only did I just survive, but I was now, you know, down the road a few years thriving despite this really painful part of my life. And so my coaching kind of flowed naturally. It started with my students. Um, seminary students tend to be older. They're not, so I don't, you know, I have some 22 year olds right out of college, but they run the gamut. And so, you know, I've worked a lot of seminary students are 30, 40, 50, even 60 years old. And so I was dealing with adults. And so a lot of the coaching came out of working with second career pastors. And then I found, and we'll talk about this, that the things that I did with pastors naturally impacted really powerfully business people, because I do a lot of work on the what I call the inner insides, our deep inner game work that frees us to thrive. And so that's how every kind of my whole life, including being a pastor and a seminary professor, and even the pain has translated into coaching. And, and I really love it because I've just found that um, um, I'm, I love helping people. And it's just been such a blessing to be able to you know, get into the world, get into the marketplace and help um, 
you know, men and women, I know this is a mostly a, a, a men's show, but just help people thrive in their, in their businesses and in their lives. Well, I love, I love what you said there, Brian, you know, you said a lot there. Um, but you know, I, I call it the 14 inch problem, right? Sometimes we have a hard time connecting what's in our brain to our heart, which is yes. really 14, 14 inches away. And you've discovered something that kind of helped you connect what you knew, these deep truths that you've, you've grown and, and know and, and written into your, your brain through studying the scripture, but you helped it. What, what we're going to talk about today really helped to ingrain it into your heart, into your, um, you know, to become an outward expression of who you are. So uh, before we get into that, you know, I just want to say that we, we at CBMC are huge believers in coaching as well. We have a great resource um, that we offer called Leadership Coach Training, where we, we get to work with leaders and um, help them learn um, the, the skills to, to coach themselves and coach others. Um, and it is just a great resource. So I'm a big believer in what you're doing. So I just want to affirm you. Uh, in that regard, that this is a great resource that you're offering pastors and, and businessmen and, and just want to encourage you there. But let's talk about your book. Let's talk about um, centering prayer, because uh, as you mentioned, this is this is not actually something that's new, but it is sort of a rediscovery of some ancient, you know, early church fathers that that would uh, utilize, uh, some of the, the things that we're going to talk about this, this practice of centering prayer, the practice of being in the presence of God. And, um, so tell us a little bit about just what it is when we say the practice of centering prayer, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah. And it, basically what we're talking about, and I'm going to use the word meditation, which we can unpack. Some people are a little bit uncomfortable with that sometimes because they think it's Buddhism or Hinduism, but essentially what we're talking about is most people are familiar with praying with words, whether you say the Lord's prayer or you just, or you pray, you know, kind of make up, well, yeah, make up a prayer just out of our hearts or use a biblical prayer. So what centering prayer is, it's actually, it's called the prayer of silence. And so it's a practice where you set an intention and, you know, so you basically, you can start with a prayer. Like um, I like to say, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I literally set my Fitbit. I wear Fitbit, set it for vibrate, set 20 minutes. And I sit in silence. And the idea is instead of praying with words, I'm, I want my soul to be opened up to the God who's always with us, but it's sort of setting attention just to sit in silence and experience God in silence rather than just processing everything through our brains, through the words that we do. And again, this is not anti-intellectual or anti-regular prayer, but it's, it's, it's literally a prayer of silence. And um, you want me to keep going and say a little bit more about kind of the practice itself or is that? Well, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, we're going to unpack that a little bit, okay. but you know, but we we can we can talk right now because when you say sitting in silence for twenty minutes, you know, <laughs> so we've experienced this, Tyler, haven't we? When we've we've hosted a prayer retreat, right, and we give we give guys time to um, go and pray for a couple of hours, and you know, when we release our guys to go and and get alone and and be with the Lord in prayer you know, they'll sit there and they'll pray and they pray for everything they can think about. And they're like, man, that's got to have been tw two hours at least. And they look at their clock and it's been 15 minutes. <laughs> and they're like, no, you know, I feel like I've prayed for everything. So sitting in silence, sitting in God's presence, 
uh, is a challenge in today's world. Yes. We have so many things that are pulling on us in different directions and distractions, social media, you know, emails, the, the TV activities, you know, so how important is, or, or let's talk about amongst the three of us, you know, how important it is to actually schedule times where you can just be in silence with the Lord. Yeah, I think personally, and uh, that kind of gets a bad rap, you know, like, well, I don't, I, I want to have such a good heart that I don't have to put it on my calendar to, to uh, spend time with the Lord or to just sit in silence. But uh, I think most of the time we live by our calendars and that's just a fact. Um, they're, they're, they're a helpful tool. Um, so I think we need to, to see it that way as a tool that, that that's going to actually help. And um, it's whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you to have that time with the Lord. If it takes you putting it on your calendar, by all means do it. And I don't think we should be ashamed of that at all. For, for my own experience, like this, the whole purpose of silence, it's, it's kind of like decompressing. So it's almost like we're always, our brains are always buzzing around. So it's like we've shaken up like a Coke can or something. And then like, you know, if you just pop it, it's going to go. Poof. And so what the sitting in silence let us do, and this is why, you know, I always do it first thing in the morning. I do it with my wife. I started out doing a student by myself. Now my wife and I, um, we do it. That's the first thing we do every morning. We, you know, we have a cup of coffee, then we do the 20 minutes sit together. But what that actually does is it lets our minds decompress because the experience that you have in silence is you're not really in silence. It's your brains just starts buzzing the whole time. Like, is this ever going to end? Did I set my timer? Sometimes something really deep, like if we're worried about our business, something like a thought, oh my gosh, I got to deal with this employee today. And the practice of centering prayer is essentially the whole practice is embracing the silence by every time you catch yourself on a thought, which will be continuously, <laughs> you get little spaces is you're surrendering that to the Lord and saying, my thoughts need to be set aside for a few moments simply so I can bask in God's presence. And that, so it's kind of like going to the gym. It's like you're doing push-ups, you're flexing and, and all those reps, every time you kind of release a thought, and that's where the centering comes in. Cause you can just like, I like to say Jesus to myself. So when I catch myself on the thought, um, you know, like I'm gonna have a minor medical procedure in a couple of weeks. It's going to be no big deal, but it bothers me. So like, I know this morning I had to release that, like, okay, Jesus, and I just, <laughs> just let it go. So sometimes it, and what it signals, it'll show you what's bothering you. That's where the healing part can come in. And you also just notice the crazy thoughts. Like, did I set the timer? I think I said that one already, or think about your work list or whatever, but it just gives you that space to just kind of like pop the cop, pop the top on a Coke can, just let all the spray go out and, decompress, open ourselves up so that we can really show up, be present and, you know, be a, like, I like to say ambassadors of abundance in our businesses and our families and, you know, with our friends and all those kind of things. And I love that. And so if you're, you're not in the habit of that, and this sounds like something that, uh, you know, I would say this would be a fairly new concept for a lot of, a lot of guys uh, to, to consider implementing into their daily routine but if you're not in the habit of that, when you try to do it, my experience is like, oh, you know, it's, it takes me a long time to get to the point where I can release everything and my mind's just not running, running and running and running. That tells me kind of the world I live in, right? That, that I'm so busy all the time. I've got so many things going on that I find it difficult to sit in God's presence. So 
as you as you start practicing this, initially, my experience at least, yours might have been different, is that it, it takes a long while. But as you continue to, to practice, um, it becomes easier. And uh, being able to start the day with God at the foremost of your thoughts and surrendering everything else on, uh, unto him and just spend your, your waking moments with him, you know, that changes my entire day. It changes yes. everything. Um, and so it changes the way I read the scriptures. It changes my prayers that follow. It changes, uh, you know, everything, the way I interact with people and, and my desires and my thoughts and, and everything else. So um, if, if you want to continue to unpack that a little bit more as far as the centering prayer, um, sitting in silence, surrendering your thoughts, right? Um, and, and then, well, you know, what's next? <laughs> yeah, no, in, in a sense, that it's what's interesting is the what's next is just the practice itself. And yeah. it's a commitment because what, what isn't going to happen um, is you're not going to see instantaneous changes. Um, this is like a long practice. I've been doing this for years and I can see the differences in my life. Like I know for certain, I wouldn't even be talking to you guys if I wasn't hadn't started doing this because it, it just helped me so much to get out of my head and then be completely able to focus on the people that are around me and also to recognize in my own brain when I have basically sabotaging thoughts or false guilt or shame, and I can just release those to the Lord. And so, so what happens, and, and you named a couple of really important things. When you first start, it, it, five minutes might be excruciatingly difficult. And so the 20 minutes isn't, is, is just kind of a, a guideline. Like when I started, um, I started trying to do it for one minute and it was really hard and I kind of slowly build up. But what I found is I finally made the jump to 20 minutes when I went to a centering prayer workshop a number of years ago and we did it in a group and I found a group actually kind of helped because I'm almost like, okay, I can hang in there because everybody else is. But as soon as I hit 20, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need to do this all the time. And so it really did help. But I, we do have to say 20 minutes might feel like four hours if you've never done it before. But the, but the reality is this. Um, the the practice itself is the point because it's uh, one of my favorite biblical passages and this isn't technically about centering prayer but it's a great metaphor it's Matthew 16:24 and it's a similar verse in Mark and Luke but it's where Jesus says if anyone would come after me uh, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me and that's you know it's a pretty hardcore discipleship verse but if we think about that with centering prayer I'm going to sit and I'm saying Jesus I'm going to surrender my thoughts to you and so, you know, you start sitting and thinking, so now I have a thought about my job. Well, okay, I need to deny self, take up cross, follow Jesus. And if you just imagine kind of walking along that path, trying to follow Jesus, even if you're a disciple, you know, a bird makes a noise. Oh, you turn your head. Wait a second. I got to follow Jesus. And so take that as a metaphor. It, it, it trains us to essentially be aware how much chatters in our mind that actually separates us, ironically, from God. Um, sometimes from the very people that we're talking to, because, you know, how many of us, you know, if you're like a salesperson, for example, um, if you get distracted when you're talking to somebody that you're trying to offer your service to, um, you, you know, you, you can often lose the sale because it just looks like you're bored, you're not interested. But if you learn to release your mind and you do that first to the Lord, 
that's going to allow you then to slow the chatter down, even when we're having this conversation. So, you know, as I'm, you know, listening to Tyler and Adrian this, this morning, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to focus in really carefully on what they're saying and not immediately thinking, okay, I need to say this. It's like, no, I'm just going to release that. So it's, a, it's just a really amazing piece that you get, you get that relationship with God. I'm going to surrender everything that separates me from you, including my own thoughts. And that's just going to, you know, expand out um, to, to others and the way that we show up and impact our lives. Well, let, let's talk about a few parts here, but now I don't want to give the whole book away. I, I, I want um, our, our readers to have the opportunity to read it. But uh, one of the parts um, in part two of your book, I believe, is the biblical foundation, the theological foundation for this practice. In chapter 10, uh, you reference uh, St. Bernard, who, as, as you as you said, you know, it's, it's kind of a rediscovery of sorts, right? This is something that uh, some of the church fathers, uh, something they practice. But St. Bernard wrote about the four four levels of love. And I think there's such a parallel between what he describes as the four levels of love, uh, how prayer, centering prayer can um, help us grow in that area, and kind of the process that a lot of guys go through and work. So if you're not familiar with St. Bernard's four levels of love, he talks about um, level one uh, is, is loving of self for self's sake, right? Everyone basically loves them, themselves and, and mostly for selfish reasons, right? <laughs> so uh, we want the best for ourselves. We want things selfishly. Uh, and then uh, as God kind of gets a hold of you and gets a hold of your heart, he kind of grows you to a love of God for self's sake. And I, and I shared this with you off, um, uh, you know, before we started recording. When I came to the Lord, I basically came to the Lord for selfish reasons. I, I wanted, I knew that God was my only hope, that Jesus was my only hope. And I did not want to, uh, I, I didn't want to be condemned, right? And so, um I was, it was a very kind of selfish motive that I wanted God to save me for, for my own sake, right? But as God, and when God did that and he started to grow and mature me, I started to understand the third, what St. Bernard would say, the third level of love, loving God for God's sake, loving mm -hmm. God, not because I want him something from me, from me, but loving God for who he is. Um, but the fourth level of love, right? This is the one that kind of does for, for a full circle. A lot of people will say, "Man, when you you've got you've arrived when you when you've when God has grown you and matured you to love God for who He is." But the fourth level is loving yourself for God's sake, right? Loving yourself for God's sake. So, talk about how the practice of centering prayer can kind of help us in that regard and really how that becomes an outflow of who we are and that affects how we um, live our life and, and pour ourselves out in the workplace and with the people that God puts around us. Yeah. I love that question. I'm really grateful that you picked that part of the book. Cause that's a, that's a really cool thing. I'm glad that it just really resonated. There's another early church father. And I don't think I put this quotation in the book. It might've got cut out, but uh, Irenaeus who goes back to like the second or third century has a wonderful quote that says the glory of God is a man fully alive. 
right? And, and you know, in, in our Christian lives, you would think, geez, what's greater than, you know, like as you already said, loving God for God's own sake. But the, the profound shift that can that you can see, and, and and I saw this in my own life, and I'm not claiming that I live in that fourth level, but I mean, I think we dip in there in and out, and we talked about that. So this is no claim that I'm, you know, look exactly at me, I'm the model of everything. But what I've no, what I noticed is there's a war inside of each one of us that keeps us from showing up fully as the person that God created us to be. And that often sounds like basically fear, like I, I don't have enough guilt. I don't do enough and shame. I'm just not good enough. You know, and it's like, you know, like I can even say like, I get nervous when I come on a podcast, but that's my false self scaring me and saying, stay small, don't show up fully. And so, you know, where I think God wants us all to be is to be able to get a glimpse of how much God loves each one of us and how valuable we are, period, where God's beloved apart from even anything that we do. And that's what that fourth level is really about. It's about breaking past even the fact, um, it's, it's about accepting the fact that we're unconditionally accepted and allowing God then to heal us of fear guilt and shame at a deep level so that we then become what models for the world of what God can do in a person's life. And so we don't have to stay small or say, I'm just a worm. We can use the gifts and graces that God's given us to serve other people. And that's going to make a dramatic impact in every part of our lives, not just the church part of our lives. Just imagine showing up in your business confident of who you are in Christ and just serving and loving people. That's what it means to love yourself for God's sake. You show up fully as the man that God loved and died for. That's, the, that's our hope for every man that comes to our, our ministry, right? That Amen. they will understand who they are in Christ and, uh, and that will, that God will use them in the workplace in those ways. Uh, to to both make Jesus known and then to come alongside uh, business and professional men uh, to make disciples, right? And so um, I love that this routine, this discipline, this habit of centering prayer helps us kind of grow in those areas, right? Um, so uh, part three and part four of your book, and you just touched on it just now is, is really thinking about our thoughts, right. And then confronting our false self. Um, because those two things really, they, they, they've got to be tackled for, for you to really truly understand who you are in Christ. And so I love um, that you've included that in your book as well. So in the context of, of the workplace, really, how does, how does thinking about our thoughts, how does, confronting our false self, how does that help us in the way that we actually do business? Because this is something yeah. else we talked about before, is that when, when we do business in this way, it's actually a better way of doing business, right? And that's the whole beauty of coaching and, and the whole beauty of, of following the Lord. It's just, it's a better way of, of dealing with people, with, uh, with living. It's, it's just better. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me answer that in a couple different ways. I mean, it, when we just talk about the thoughts themselves, um, it, it is kind of interesting. Um, and this will sound sort of esoteric if the guys have never thought about it this way, but it, it's real one of the most most interesting experiences when you start doing like a centering prayer practice is you become aware at some point that you can essentially sort of see yourself or sense yourself thinking. 
And then you think to yourself like, well, okay, if I can sense that I'm thinking, who's actually thinking? And that's an important insight in itself because it means that we're really not just our thoughts because the stuff that flows through our heads, some of it's just purely, um, you know, it's out of our amygdala, we get fear and stuff that just kind of gets fired off by the things that we, um, as we react to different things in our lives, sometimes the things that run through our head are things that people said to us in the past. Um, you know, whether it's about, um, you know, you're not good enough or they, we hear like, oh, I'm no good or I'm, or I'm dumb. I'm not good at this. So you get, we just get these little tapes. And so you become aware of your thoughts. And if you're like a business owner and you're just super insecure and like, oh, I'm going to offend this person. I'm going to lose this customer. Um, you know, my, my employees aren't going to like me. My boss does. If you have that stuff floating through your head, that, that affects how you work. But if you can like step back and it's like, look at this, I can see this thought stream, kind of like the movie, The Matrix, when you, when you could actually see the codes and you can say, wait a second that isn't actually true. I'm just going to release that thought to Jesus and allow the grace to come into my life that that right there, just the dealing with the thoughts. And again, we're, we're never talking about erasing our minds. That's impossible. It's just becoming aware that you, you have more control on releasing a thought that doesn't serve you than just getting trapped in a thought that's actually you know, essentially hamstringing us half the time. And, and then that relates to the false self part. Cause that's, you know, that's kind of um, psychological language. And, and all I really mean by that is the apostle Paul talks about the flesh within in, it, it, depending on your translation, sometimes it gets translated sin, sinful nature, but what the flesh really is, it's essentially us apart from God's grace. And what I mean by us, it's our strengths, it's our decisions to live by, you know, our own, our own greatest strengths, because our own strengths can be our greatest weaknesses. And so the false self is the person that we sort of have to be as we're moving into our careers. And you, you, you acknowledge that, that we have to go through these stages. So like, what did you give up to get into the career that, that, that you is like, what, what have you lost? What do you have to do to earn all those things? So this false self that we construct isn't the authentic person that God created us to be, which is a person loved by God. It's what we had to become basically to get the love we needed to enjoy success. And so that this whole process of kind of getting attacking our thoughts by centering prayer, God will reveal the hurt parts of ourselves, the parts of ourselves that we need to unclog, maybe people we need to forgive. Maybe there's some. Um, Maybe there's sinful practices inside of us. Maybe there's um, struggles and God will reveal that. And as we surrender those things, our false self comes into the light and we realize that God isn't rejecting us. And in fact, that God's grace and love can come into the very, you know, the darkest contours of ourselves and heal us. That allows us then to essentially show up more and more as the actual man that we are in Christ with the strengths that we were born with, with our DNA, and then, you know, Holy Spirit power all put together. So that's, that's how I would think about both of those. Does that, does that help a little bit? Yeah, very much so. And, and, you know, a uh, couple more, couple more questions that I, I want to talk to you about, because um, this is a, this is kind of a foreign concept for a lot of people. And that's why you wrote a book about it. I mean, right. that's why you wanted you wanted to help people understand, you know, what what uh, what this was and and the benefits of it. So you mentioned that you've been doing this now. Would you say 11, 12 years, something along along those lines? Yeah, I've been doing the centering prayer for twenty minutes for. See, it's, I guess the twenty minutes has been about four years. I've been 
dabbling with the essential practice itself, kind of get up to that full time for um, about eight or nine years, but it, it all rooted out of coming through that divorce period. And I found the centering prayer a year or so after, but I was doing just chill out silent, especially the journaling practice for this whole time. So my silence practice is, is 10, 11 years, the centering prayer itself probably started about eight or nine years ago. And then the full 20, it's been the last four years. So I, I love, you know, here, here's, here's kind of what I, what I like to ask you here is, um, you know, personally, you've been doing this for a while now. Yeah. You've had a chance to, to experience the fruits of practicing centering prayer in your life and journaling. Uh, so if somebody is listening to this, right, somebody is saying, man, I'm not quite sure about that. That sounds um, strange or, I, 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 you know, I'm not, I've never done anything like that in my, in my life before. And somebody's wondering whether this is something that they should implement into their daily disciplines. You know, what would you tell them? Yeah, I would say that this is this is actually an oasis for the soul. And so like I, I think it's so important that I I even use as a marker for my own for myself now is when I find that I'm don't have time to do it, that's a signal to me that my priorities are messed up because here's what's happened over the last um you know 10 years of doing this journaling and some form of centering prayer. Um my blood pressure legit has dropped 20 points. Like I was borderline high blood pressure. I take no medicine and my diet really hasn't changed that much, but I'm like calm. And if you guys knew me like 10, 11 years ago, I'm pretty high strung. I'm probably a type A kind of person, but it is legit mellowed me over the years. I still have the same drive, but I'm calmer. And, and then that helps me to show up and really serve people. Cause I mean, in the past, I mean, I was probably the professor that taught a class and then ran out of the classroom because I was always so busy. And now I just, um, I, I kind of show up, pay attention, and I realize that everything that's happening around me, God has more invested in it than I do. So I can just sh show up. So that's probably the one of the biggest things. I've also noticed like on stuff like, you know, uh, or driving to Orlando is kind of crazy. I mean, I've, I've been out the tallest. So and I always, I always joked. I mean, I know you guys aren't in Tulsa, but that's the part of Oklahoma. <laughs> when I went to Tulsa, the thing that made me laugh, I called my wife. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can drive at rush hour and there's no traffic here. Um, in Orlando, it's just crazy drivers, people from all over the world going on vacation. So it's actually kind of scary. And what I noticed is the longer I've been doing centering prayer, I don't freak out driving anymore because it doesn't startle me or scare me when other people are doing stuff. Cause I just like, I just release it. And so it gives us this kind of muscle even during the day, you know, Paul talks about praying without ceasing. Now, I'm not claiming I do centering prayer all day, but that silence block in the morning sets me up that I can just kind of flow through the day, not really being in a hurry. Now, am I in a hurry sometimes? Of course, but I'm able to just kind of put space in my day. And if something kind of goes, starts going south, I can kind of, I can feel my brain starting to spin and I can kind of go into centering prayer mode, even while I'm in meetings and stuff and just chill and release and just stay present. So that that's the biggest actual change that I can see. Now, my wife would could get on here and say that she's seen me calm down and things as well too, but it's, it's really helpful, especially in interpersonal relationships and, and then just dealing with stress that inevitably comes with life. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for that little plug for living in Oklahoma, by the way, also. That was <laughs> no, I love it. I you know, I was just out in Tulsa. I think I told I was out in Tulsa and we have a campus out in, in, in Tulsa. So I, I get out there about once a year. So I've been out there, I think, four times now. I love it. So you you heard it 
straight from Dr. Brian Russell, come to Oklahoma where there's no traffic. <laughs> I don't know if that's true where you guys are or not, but I just, and there is traffic, but it's just all relative, right? <laughs> so last question here, uh, Dr. Russell, really, we really appreciate the time you've spent with us and uh, excited to share your book that comes out in September, September 14th. It's yes. available on Amazon. Uh, you can actually pre-order it now. Um, but uh, you can get it anytime after that as well. Uh, Centering Prayer uh, by Dr. Brian Russell. But um, we would love for you just to personally talk about, um, you know, what role has discipleship kind of played in your personal journey or your personal Christian walk? Because our ministry um, involves coming alongside men and helping them um, through the pitfalls of life and, and trying to navigate you know, what it's like to balance family life, work life, so on and so forth. And we do that through through one-on-one discipleship. So our desire is to have every every man in our ministry in discipling relationships. So what has uh, that looked like for you? And, uh, you know, and I'm sure that you've implemented in your discipling relationships, you know, this practice of centering prayer as well. Yeah, I love your question, and 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 I'm here today again. I'm a, I'm a product of fantastic mentors, and they didn't call them coaches when I was younger. But I, you know, like my youth pastor was probably my first coach and mentor. My own senior pastor took interest in me. Um, professors reached, it, it mentored me. I was like in a, when I was in seminary when I was in my 20s. So this is like 30 years ago now. I've, I was with a, one of my professors with a couple other guys every noon on Friday for three years, life-changing, right? So, and I continue to do that. So I have really deep friendships, but, you know, for me, discipleship, it permeates my entire life. So I can't really separate it out. I like the phrase that this comes out of the, the church as well. Sometimes it's called a rule of life or even a rhythm of life. And that is how do I set up my day? to fuel myself so that I can show up. And I always say most of the time, because we're not perfect, but if I can show up the majority of time as that person that's loved by Christ. And so that involves me setting up some practices in my day that fuel me. And, and like and I was talking to you guys earlier, um, the image I like to use, I think this is really helpful for men since we, you know, stereotypically we like sports. I'm like, I, I love soccer, for example. So I, you know, there's basketball, football, those different things, but you know, soccer, everybody on the field has to be in, is on offense and defense, depending on whether you have the ball or not. And, you know, that they don't switch teams. So it's, it's kind of like basketball. It's the same way, I guess, too. But so you want to think of discipleship, both as offense and defense on the offense side. What can I do? How do I open myself up to God's grace in ways that are going to fuel me? So, you know, I can metaphorically, um, score points, put points on the scoreboard. And so those are things like that's where the centering prayer fits in. And so I, like I mentioned, I always do that in the morning. I do a journaling practice in the morning, scripture in the morning. And then at night I do another journaling practice. And then during the day, I just have little touch points where I'll pray, um, talk to friends, be in a small group. So I just sort of have a, a rhythm that lets me sets myself up for success. And then the other part of discipleship, and this is where, again, the small group stuff can really help is we have to be on defense, which means getting junk out of our lives that actually, you know, lets the enemy score, if you will, because we want it, because you can do everything right on the setup. But if you have parts of your life where you're literally leaking, 
um, you, you, you know, you can actually sort of deform rather than be fully formed in Christ. And so that's how I think about discipleship. And again, centering prayer so powerful for me personally, along with my journaling is because I've let's to me, it's like God's able to shine a spotlight inside of me and over time, pull the hurt parts, the scared parts, the, the, the sinful parts out of me and invites me then to surrender those to God. And so that God can do deeper and deeper levels of healing in my life. So again, so I can serve others, be an ambassador of Christ, um, be a great business owner for me, a great professor, a great husband, a great father, a great friend. I love that you throughout this interview have used the word practice. Um, I think that's a really key word and term for this is just, and you kind of touched on it a minute ago is we're not ever going to be perfect. Right. You, know, you think about doctors, um, they have a practice because they're not, they're practicing. And so, uh, as the, the great Alan Iris said, you know, we're talking about practice. Uh, but, uh, I think that's just really important. I know that that speaks to me a lot of realizing that, you know, it takes work. It takes repetitions and it's, it's practice and it's, we're never going to get it. perfect. I love what you said there, uh, Brian, that, um, you know, discipleship or Christian walk is both offense and defense. And we need both of those in our life. So um, that that's absolutely good. That's a great uh, metaphor for, for discipleship. So if you're listening out there and that's something that, that you, you realize, man, I don't have that. Uh, we would really encourage you to reach out to us at cbmcok.com and and get connected with us and well well thanks a lot for your time and and I, we hope uh, our paths cross someday in person and not just on Zoom maybe we're down in Orlando or you're up in Tulsa reach out to us we'd be happy to to go up there and take you out to lunch and get to spend even more time with you Dr. Russell. No, that'd be fantastic. And I hope we can stay in touch. And if, and if you don't mind, if anybody is interested in Centering Prayer, I have a website, centeringprayerbook.com. And if um, that's my email address, you put your, but I'll send you resources on how to get a practice started, whether you ever buy my book or not. I'd love just to serve with that if anybody's interested in learning a little bit how to get the practice started. Absolutely. And we will include all of that in, in the show notes, as well as um, information on the book and uh, your website and all that good stuff. So Lord bless you, Dr. Russell, and appreciate the time that you've had and, and really excited to see what God does uh, with, with the book and, and how it's helpful in men's lives. All right. Thank you, Adrian. And thank you, Tyler. Again, real joy and privilege to be on your show today. Thank you for listening to the Red Letter Business Podcast presented by CBMC Oklahoma. Each episode explores a story of an ordinary businessman who has had extraordinary impact on the lives of people they work with. Have you ever wondered how God wants to use you in his story? We'd love to be a part of your journey in figuring out how God wants to use you, whether that's through one of our C3 teams, Young Professional Program, our Trusted Advisors Forum, or a one-on-one discipleship relationship. Visit cbmcok.com to get connected. Hit subscribe and join us for our next episode. Have a great day.